Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode 9 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Today I'm back with Max Hall for part 2 of his interview. If you didn't listen in last week, go back and listen to part 1 to hear his whole story. Today we dive further into his experiences and his trauma, as well as his coping mechanisms and his healing journey over the past few years. Oh my gosh. Okay, I wasn't expecting that um, kind of extreme of a story, but thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I am so sorry that you have been through all that you've been through, but I'm so glad that you are still here today. And I'm so glad that I was able to meet you and that you're a part of my life. Um, I relate so much to your story. And as you're talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, I know exactly how you feel and what you've been through. Not like, obviously not to the same extent. Um, but yeah, I, I don't even know where to start now. Um, <laughs> Well, and we all have our own stories, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though you can relate to somebody, empathize with them, everybody's story is different in some way, shape, or form. So even when I've listened to your story, I have some of those same feelings of like, I can empathize with that, but I, you know, there's things that I can't be like, I know exactly how that feels um, because everybody's story is so different. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing to remember. Um, And I'm, I'm sorry that I had to go through that too. You know, no part of that is like, wow, that was just so good. But I'm thankful for the person that those stories have molded me into. I would not be the same good, caring, um, healthy, and strong person that I am today if it wasn't for those experiences. So no matter how much they suck and no matter how much I would never wish them upon themselves or no matter how much I wouldn't even wish them upon happening to my past self, there's a level of thankfulness that they have created such, I guess, a good person that I'm proud to say that I am. Like I'm able to have meaningful relationships where I take care of myself and I respect whoever I'm with taking care of themselves because I know how crappy it feels when those things don't occur. Mm-hmm. So I, it, in a way, has given me a good knowledge of what I want in a relationship through knowing what I don't want. Yeah. And then it you know, sparked me and gave me my passion to want to help people with their mental health through their physical health. And that's why I've been able to be such a successful trainer and make a difference in so many people's lives and start a podcast that people are loving and enjoying and that are is legit helping people none of those things would be possible if it wasn't for the past that i've had so as much as all of those things suck there's a level of thankfulness that it has molded me into this amazing person that's allowed me to be such a positive change in so many people's lives and to be a person that I can say that I'm proud of to be today. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. I want to go back to kind of the beginning of your story. Um, You're talking about feeling like an outcast as a kid in school and feeling like people don't want you there. And uh, I relate to that so much. I had a group of girlfriends um, all through, I would say, junior high and high school. Um, But you have this thought in your mind that nobody really wants you around and you're kind of this like burden to other people. And so I feel like there's a lot of self-sabotage and sabotaging these relationships that are healthy and like these people do want you around. But in my mind, it was this idea that they don't want me there and I shouldn't bother them. So I'm just going to leave them alone. And I think that led to a lot of um, loss of these friendships for me because even now I I don't talk to any of them anymore I think I talked to like one person from high school and I think that has a lot to do with the self-sabotage I would agree 100 percent and I think there's also a level of not everybody has to be your cup of tea and mm-hmm. like the same things you like you got to treat everybody around you with respect but like I always wanted to be the popular kid and yeah. like yeah. The, the question is like why like why did I want to fit in with those people that had none of the same interests that I had yeah just to fit some mold of what I thought I was supposed to be and I in turn because of it chased away some of the people that had some of the same interests that I had and I instead of just accepting myself and loving who I am and leaning into that it's like I was a weird kid so what? Now I'm the weird 25-year-old that has an anime fitness podcast. I don't care what you think. If you don't like anime, that's your opinion. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I like who I am. I'm pretty damn cool and nothing anybody says can change my opinion on myself. And the people I surround myself are people that love and accept me for who I am. Because if you don't love and accept me for who I am, I don't want you in my life. Whereas as a kid, I spent a lot of time chasing the approval of people who didn't love me and accept me for who I am and spent a lot of time chasing away the people who did, were healthy and did love and respect me for who I am because I wasn't mentally in the place that I am now. I probably had to chase those people away and deal with a lot of those things in order to learn what harm it's done in my life so that I can have some of those more meaningful relationships and friendships today from the lessons that I learned from that. But geez, those were some hard lessons to learn. Like I said, like my friend Greg, he's somebody who I went over to his house every Friday night and we watched anime together. But anime wasn't cool when I was in middle school and (laughs) Greg was the weird kid that was crying while doing a presentation in class whereas nobody knew that the reason he was crying is because it was his and his dad's song and his dad had just passed away and the the more that you know people pushed him away the more I wanted to push him away because I didn't want to be associated with that because I didn't love and accept that part of me it's a part that I felt like I needed to hide and it's something that I deeply regret because he did mean a lot to me and now he just doesn't get to so Mm -hmm. yeah 
and I guess he still can be meaningful for me yeah. in my heart. There's nothing wrong with that, but I, I don't get to have that relationship, I yeah. guess is what I meant by that. It's just not a possible thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, basing uh, your self-worth on, um, I guess, the attention and the love that other people give you. Uh, I definitely did that when I was younger. And so I just wanted as many friends as I could and or like getting a boyfriend like you were talking about. Um, That was like so important to me because I felt like the more people that would love me and would pay attention to me, then that would in turn make me love myself, I think. Um, But that obviously is not the case at all. Uh, and I, I did, I jumped from relationship to relationship my whole life. Um, right now is the first time that I've been single since I was like 18, which is so crazy to me, but I finally have this chance, um, to develop, uh, my self-love and like not, um, lean on anybody else for that. But, uh, yeah, constantly searching for the attention from other people was a huge part of of um, my search for self-love. And obviously that didn't work out. <laughs> yes, no, that, like, well, my story's out there now. And obviously it didn't work out for me either. <laughs> I think that's abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that relationship, there was definitely a long period of time where I needed to be single and I stayed single yeah. because I came to the realization that in order to find somebody that loves me for who I truly am, I need to love myself for who I truly am. Yeah. So that was kind of a long journey. And then after, I don't know, four or five years of being on that journey, maybe a little bit longer, um, I, had finally kind of learned to love myself and learn to respect myself and honor myself. And I would only get into a relationship with somebody that I felt was healthy and I felt like was the best for me. Um, I got into a few short relationships that ended simply because they didn't feel ready yet and I didn't hold it against them. They didn't hold it against me. Mm-hmm. There was no fighting or negativity or animosity, and that felt really good. And now I'm in a relationship with somebody that um, very much does respect me for me, and I respect them for them. And um, something, a, a big thing that I say a lot, I'm kind of a nerd for this, is I've always said that in a relationship, I don't want somebody that walks behind me or that I walk behind. Mm-hmm. I want somebody that I walk beside. What that means is we're seen as equals. We take care of ourselves first. And instead of feeling the need to take care of each other, um, we take care of ourselves and then we get to enjoy the moments and the respect and the time and the energy and everything together as equals rather than the relationship being revolved around serving that person or having them serve me, which neither feels good to me. I've always wanted somebody that um, is very 
uh, very much cares about themselves as much as I care about myself. And mm-hmm. I, I found somebody like that. So I'm really happy about that. Um, but it's something that I hold a huge value of is their priorities taking care of themselves first and foremost. My priorities taking care of myself first and foremost. I pursue my passions. They pursue their passions. Yeah. And we get to share those things together. Um, we're not serving each other. And I've simultaneously never felt as cared for and as respected as I do now, while also not pushing on the obligation that they need to care for or serve me in any way, shape or form and vice versa. I do not need to care for or serve them in any way, shape or form. Like they are their own individual. I am my own individual and we just talk and communicate and connect and share. So it feels good. Oh, that is amazing. That is exactly how a relationship should be, I think. Um, when you were talking about your previous relationship, I I definitely connect with it way more than I thought I would. And looking back on my previous relationships, I never really realized how kind of toxic and manipulative they were. I mean, I guess when you're right in there, you you don't even realize and you don't notice. And no matter what other people say to you, like other people can can warn you and tell you like, hey, this is not healthy or like you should get out. When you're right in the middle of it, you just have your blinders on and you you don't really realize. And now that I'm obviously not in that relationship, I've realized how toxic it really was. Um, like you were saying about not being able to uh, be friends with other women or even talk to other girls at all. That is exactly how it was for me as well. Um, he told me that he would never be friends with any other girl because that would be inappropriate. And that I, like I, after high school, I lost all of my girlfriends. We had a huge fight. There was so much drama. So then I ended up becoming friends with a lot of guys. And that was just how my life was. There was a lot less drama and I was so much happier with it. And so then I started dating this guy and he told me that being friends with guys, talking to other guys was so inappropriate. And I did. I lost a lot of my friends um, because of that. But I kind of did what he told me to do and what he told me was like what I had to do for him, I guess. Um, And then on top of that, the manipulation, like there was no physical abuse, but I would say the mental abuse like you were talking about, um, it definitely wasn't to the extent and I don't want to um, like downplay your experiences at all, but I, I feel so connected to you in some way just because of what you were talking about, but telling me like I could only wear certain things or I, I could, uh, I mean, these are little things, but like I could only paint my nails a certain color or I couldn't cut my hair a certain length and things like that. Um, anytime that I would go out to a restaurant with a friend, um, he would always ask me what I ate and like kind of monitor what I was eating all the time. And it was just so controlling and manipulative. And I didn't even realize while I was in that relationship what that was or how bad it was until after. And now that I'm on my own and like able to experience life and just do what I want to do for me 
now I'm, I see what you're saying about a new relationship. Like that is exactly how it should be. And that, yeah, I, I would never let somebody treat me that way again. No, and it, it took me a very long time to get my self-respect to a point where I felt like I could never be that way. And mm-hmm. I, for a long time, I didn't trust myself to get into relationships because I felt like I would just end up in a relationship like that because I didn't have my shit together. So it, mm-hmm. it did take me a while to get there. Thank you for sharing that. That's I'm so sorry. That's so hard. Um, obviously, in certain ways, I can relate as well, even though our mm-hmm. experience, I'm sure, were different. Like I never yeah, yeah, absolutely. necessarily had what I could eat monitored, um, even if it was sometimes limited at times. But similarly, I wasn't allowed to work out because mm-hmm. she didn't like the way that that made my body look. Um, and then on top of that, um, I guess there wasn't really, you can't wear this or you can't wear that. Um, so that would be something that I couldn't deal with, but yeah, very much that controlling manipulation, um, doesn't feel good. Yeah. The emotional abuse is really hard and that like lack of trust where it's like, you have to have a, um, a tracker on you at all times so I know where you are because I don't yeah. trust you and you can't talk to other women so like yeah like it's it's super hard and it shouldn't be that way at all like it's yeah be, be very careful about my wording here but there's like a very fine line where I would never allow myself to be in a relationship like that again if anybody tried to say any of those controlling things to me ever again that you can't do this or you can't do that i would just walk away i'd be like peace like (laughs) i'm like i love and respect myself too much to to be to be like that well yeah you know like if i was with somebody that was like oh you can't go on this podcast and talk to elena because she's a girl i would be like get fucked (laughs) um that's just not something that would ever be allowed in my books ever again i respect myself way too much but definitely when you're in that like i I had similar things like i had people telling me like get out you deserve better than that you just kind of put out your blinders all the time you do you do kind of ignore what other people have to say about it to a certain extent and that's that's not a good feeling but that's why it's so important to learn what your boundaries are for yourself because a lot of times in relationships you're not going to listen to the counsel of other people even if it's good advice so you have to have a firm set of boundaries for yourself going into that relationship so you know what the moral values are that you rely upon to know when to walk away to know when to say no to say you know just be okay and to be safe with yourself like you have to just like you have to love yourself before somebody else can love you, you have to feel safe with yourself before you can feel safe with somebody else too. And that can be a really hard thing to do. I think if a lot of us question that, like whether we feel safe with ourselves or not, a lot of times the answers are no. That's okay if if you don't, but you know, you're you're also not going to feel safe with somebody else. So it's something that you need to work on is Mm -hmm. learning to slowly feel safer with yourself um, so that you can trust yourself and you can know where and when to set those boundaries and do what you need to do and to be in a healthy relationship where you know you communicate things out and you understand what the boundaries are there's that level of trust like i don't care if my new partner talks to 
other guys like that's totally fine she can have as many guy friends as i want i have as many girlfriends uh like girl friends as mm-hmm. i want right it's just they're just friends and it's like like don't get me wrong cheating does happen but the person actively makes that choice to yeah. do that so um if something was to happen i've always told myself this if, a, oh, if something was to happen where i was to get cheated on for example um you know we were to define the relationship as completely monogamous where we're not sleeping with other people and the person was to go about and do it anyways i would have to ask myself the question of can i forgive and forget this based on the communication we have and move along forward feeling trusting that it's not going to happen again and if case if that's the case i have to go on under that assumption that does not give me permission to control manipulate or abuse that person to try to get them not to do that yeah. i am trusting them not to do that and if that can't be restored if i can't have that trust in them if i can't um treat them with respect anymore because of that thing that's happened because of the way i feel mm-hmm. i just need to walk away and there's nothing wrong with that it yeah. just means the relationship didn't work out and that's fine but you know that's just how it is right mm-hmm. there's there there's never a reason to treat anybody with any lack of respect like i have been treated or like you were treated in in the past um that's their shit that they're not dealing with that is justifying to them in their head why it's okay for them to treat you like that and it's just not and you know you can't deal with other people's shit but you can know when to walk away when somebody doesn't have their shit together to know that they need to treat you with the utmost level of respect and along those lines i would never be with somebody that i felt like couldn't treat me with the same respect i would treat them with and that i can't respect like i don't want to manipulate people i don't want to control people i just want somebody that i can walk beside care about they care about me we share things together but we're each our own individuals mm-hmm. like that's that's how in in my opinion that's how a relationship should be and i'm happy that i found that but there's also like a level of it, if i was ever not to have that i respect myself enough to walk away until that is present for myself so that is the hardest part until you love yourself enough um i think we we stay in these toxic relationships because it's terrifying to leave and to be on your own and be with yourself when you don't even love yourself and you know like i said earlier sometimes you talk yourself into if somebody else loves me then i can love myself it's like that's that's just not how it yeah, works that's sorry that's not how it works <laughs> <laughs> um you were also talking about that sense of like being lost after the relationship um when you've you've committed th- so much to this other person that is controlling your life and kind of given up your friends and your family and all of these other things that once you're finally um, released of this relationship, there's a huge sense of relief and being free. But at the same time, like you're so lost, you don't have anybody to turn to because you were so um, fixated on this person and that person was your whole life. And 
yeah, that uh, that feeling of being lost and alone definitely uh, takes a toll on your mental health when you already have these mental health struggles to begin with. Yeah, no, absolutely. One, 110, <laughs> you, got it, you got it right on the point. Like, and, and you relinquish control over your own life, like where you go, what you do, everything about you mm-hmm. is dictated by this other person. And when it's like that for a period of time and you come out of that, you don't know how to make those decisions for yourself. It's been so long. And best thing you can do is just slowly kind of retake the control back and learn how to do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, In terms of your mental health, um, what is your family's response like? Do you have kind of that support that you need or are looking for? Or is that something that you guys really talk about much? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. So obviously growing up, that wasn't there. And a lot of that probably wasn't there and wasn't present due to me feeling like there was something wrong with me and choosing not to talk about it. So my parents were completely in the dark. My family was completely in the dark about everything to do with my mental health um, all growing up. And then um, obviously when they found out is when they had to check me out of the hospital. So yeah. what a what a shitty way to find out. And, yeah. um, I think my lack of wanting to do what was best for myself caused a lot of strain on my relationship with them and rightly so because they wanted what was best for me and i simply didn't and they they could see that they could see that you know this horrible person was treating me absolutely horribly and i just wanted to stay in that horrible place Mm -hmm. so that put a lot of strain on my relationships with my family. And um, even though they still loved and cared about me, I think they they dealt with a lot of trauma due to my mental health um, that I still hold a lot of guilt over. Um, slowly, those relationships have been mended and repaired. And I do feel really close with my family. Um, again, I feel really loved for and cared for by them. And I trust them. And I think to a certain extent, they, they trust me more yeah. again. So the relationship with them is definitely much better. Um, they are just simply not the people that I choose to confide in, to talk about with my mental health. And I think part of that, even though I feel like they have a better understanding of it, um, they have a lot of empathy for it, they care about me and they don't necessarily judge me based on it. I think a lot of this, and whether it's just in my head or whether it's reality, um, because of some of the trauma I've put them through, with that Mm -hmm. and some of the things that they've had to deal with with probably their own mental health dealing with some of the trauma of (laughs) my mental health um for their sake i typically choose to if i'm going to talk to somebody i talk to a counselor and i just have other people in my life that i talk to about those things and choose to talk to about those things that aren't them 
but at the same time, I do feel like they understand, they respect, and they care about me and my mental health, and they are aware about it. So mm-hmm. there's, I, I definitely notice that there's still a little bit of, um, I guess, trauma and maybe lack of trust in some areas because yeah. of, you know, uh, I think part of them is still dealing with some of the trauma and some of the what had happened in the past and not 100%. They don't like treat me poorly, but there's definitely certain things that I've noticed where they maybe still see me as that past person that dealt with all of that, not as the future person that's overcome all of that and is overcoming all of that. So there is still a little bit of that, but um, that is their shit to deal with, not my shit to deal with. (laughs) And I, you know, respectfully let them deal with it in their own way in their own time Mm -hmm. and that's you know not things for me to fix that's things for them to fix and because i know they're fix uh fixing some of it and dealing with some of it and dealing with a lot of that i do feel that it'd be unfair to impose some of my different mental health stuff upon them even though i struggle with it a lot less um i just know that they they don't need that um and that I'm fully capable of handling it on my own in a way that I know my places to reach out to. I have counselors that I know that if I need help, I can reach out to and I can get a hold of, thanks to COVID, easily over Zoom at any point in time. So I, I never have to, you know, like if I'm at a different place, if I'm traveling, I never have to try to find a new counselor. I can just set up a session with the same counselors that, that mm-hmm. I know work for me because because of Zoom. So that, that is a kind of a cool yeah, uh, awesome. benefit to <laughs> all of this. Is some of those tools and resources are a little bit more um, accessible because nothing's worse than when you connect with, you tell your story and you have a good counselor on hand and then you have to go find a new one because you move or you're in a different city or whatever, it's like now you can just call them on Zoom. It's a little different than like personal interaction for sure. Like there's different levels to it. But in my opinion, for me, it's better than trying to retell my story and find a new person every time that that goes yeah. about. Yeah, just exactly. having that person on hand is, is a really neat and tool. <laughs> cool tool and resource that's came out of um, the lockdowns Mm -hmm. and some of the advances in technology that's had to step its way up because of it so yeah so that's that's me that's my family they're they're super supportive they're loving i love them to death they Mm -hmm. love me to death but they they are dealing with their own shit and i i just know that i need to deal with mine in a way that doesn't make my shit their shit and for me i know that that's talking to a counselor and handling my own shit in a professional way i guess so yeah i'm in the same boat i i mean my family knows about everything now um but that they're they're not the ones that i go to um or not the ones that i confide in uh to talk about everything which is fine like you still have the support there um but well yeah. and I think there is some disadvantages to that too like my my parents know everything and know all of my struggles but because I don't necessarily go to them as I'm dealing with things they maybe haven't seen they they've definitely seen a lot of my growth but they haven't seen maybe as much of it as if I did go to them with True. more things yeah probably yeah but um in the same 
breadth of things, uh, I still, you know, kind of stand by my decision. I've felt that that's the best way for me to handle things in the way that I need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, playing team sports, um, I know, I mean, usually you become very close with your teammates and your coaches and uh, everybody that is around you. You spend a lot of time together. Um, I know for me and my past coaches have contributed to my mental health struggles a little bit. Um, I'm curious about your experience, whether your coaches and teammates have um, helped or hindered your, your mental health issues. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I would say help, maybe in some ways harm, but I don't think they meant to be harmful. I think they always mm-hmm. had the best intentions in yeah. mind, and especially with team sports. Um, you're looking, f- you're looking after and caring for a large group of people. It's it's going to be impossible to. Um, deal with everybody's individual needs Uh, and to a certain extent you kind of have to deal with your own individual needs in order to best fit that mold Um, so with sports I started playing sports really really young Um, I played soccer for seven years and I did taekwondo for eight years and I started both of those when I was about five but they were never really something that I was into, like in soccer, I was the kid that picked the grass. Um, (laughs) So for better or worse, I don't think my coaches ever saw me um, just because my head was never really in it. It's just something I showed up to because that meant that I got to go home and play video games after. Um, (laughs) But uh, more or less the same thing with Taekwondo. I think in Taekwondo, the instructors maybe saw me a little bit more, but I didn't see them um, for the same reason that I, it was just something I went to because, you know, it was, it was the next step towards playing video games later that night. So uh, very nerdy kid, very nerdy kid, despite <laughs> what I've done with athletics and what I've um, t- done with health and fitness and, where I've kind of ended up Mm -hmm. Um, and then the first kind of sport and sports I fell in love with were football and basketball and I think part of that is because I felt seen and accepted and cared for by the coaches Mm -hmm. um, which really made me feel good it seemed like they cared about me and they wanted me to get better and for me that was kind of a weird feeling um that somebody felt that way and i kind of liked it which is why i kept playing team sports but because i kind of liked it and because i sought that approval and i wasn't reassuring of myself when i made mistakes um i did not have the ability to tell myself that it was okay. I needed coaches or teammates to remind me that it was okay. And it is just impossible for 
coaches and or teammates to be 100% available for you in that way all of the time. Yeah. And I, I would say that my coaches and my teammates always did the best that they could for who they were in those moments, but that just wasn't enough. And I think that mm -hmm. comes down to having the ability to do that for yourself, um, which can be a challenging thing to learn, especially as a kid. I definitely didn't have those skills down. And that's where some of those negative emotions that came along with sports came from is because I didn't have the ability to reaffirm myself that it was okay when a mistake happened. And because coaches could always be available to do that for you, that's when some of my self-worth started to get tied into it. And I started to beat myself up for, you know, feeling like I was worthless or a crappy human being because I made a simple mistake in sports because I didn't have the ability to reaffirm myself. And those people weren't always there to reaffirm me for me. They, they did the best that they could and they always tried to be there. And that's why I love sports so much, but it just wasn't always a possibility. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, they did the best that they could. I would say overall, they were definitely hugely positive influences on my life that have grown me into the amazing person that I am today. But there, there was some, some hurt and some, you know, crappy emotions yeah. with that um, growing up. But I would, I would say that would account for um, high school sports for the most part, um, university sports. Um, I had a really amazing coach that I really um, looked up to who went beyond reaffirming me when mistakes were made, but actually started to teach myself to teach me to reaffirm myself and to know my worth and to know my value. And I attribute a lot of um, who I am today to some of the amazing coaches and teammates I had that really taught me how to be a man and how to love myself. Obviously I made a really bad decision that ended up pushing a lot of those people away um, because I hadn't mastered that at the time. But as I've kind of pushed on in my life after, you know, the events of my past relationship, I've used a lot of the lessons that I've got from those people to help better myself. And I'm very thankful for the lessons I've, I've got from them. So I would say that overall, like my experience has definitely been super positive, even though I am aware that a lot of those experiences can be negative and coaches do have a lot of power to fuck you up. Um, <laughs> I've had, uh, I've had the, I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing people that went beyond just wanting to make me good at my sport, but wanting to make me a good human being that loved and respected myself as well and taught me a lot of the value of self-worth. So I'm very proud to have some of those people. And I've reached out to some of them um, in the past several months here and reconnected with some of them, which has felt really good. Um, yeah, I would say. Overall, that's 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 my experience with coaches and teammates. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good point. When a coach or somebody is looking after so many people, you can't treat everybody the same way or give them, uh, I guess, what they need because every individual case is different, right? That's that's a very good point. I never really thought about it like that. And I, I think a lesson I've learned 
about that is for coaching, the best thing you can do is teach people to do those things for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, that's what defines a good coach. And that's what I've tried to do in my coaching of, you know, powerlifting and being a personal trainer and helping people is instead of just telling people what to do, teaching them how to learn what to do on their own and teaching them how to reaffirm their own self-value, how to adjust and trying to make people better people instead of just better exercisers, I guess. Like, so myself as like a coach, like anybody can give somebody a nutrition plan and a workout plan. Yeah. It's just a piece of paper, but being able to connect with and help those people find things that they want to work on within themselves and making them, you know, mentally and emotionally better along the process of also making them more physically fit and using that as a tool to kind of drive both avenues to improve. That's, that's what really holds the value as a coach. And I would say that's what most of my coaches and what the best coaches I've ever had have done for me. So, mm-hmm. so um, playing university football was a huge goal of yours. When you kind of cut it off, um, abruptly did you experience uh athlete depression at all once that was kind of cut out of your life so quickly yeah I think getting into working out pretty soon on kind of helped me manage that a little bit because I maybe put some of those emotions into trying to improve my body trying to get stronger trying to get more fit so maybe not a lot of that But there's definitely been a lot of times, it's still one of my biggest regrets. Like I worked super fucking hard to Mm -hmm. get where I was and I just kind of let it all go. Like I put myself in a position where I lost it all. And, you know, even though I don't regret it because it's helped shape me and mold me into who I am today. And I've done a lot of really amazing things with my life that are only possible because of the mistakes that I've made and the lessons that I've learned from those mistakes. I'm proud of that aspect of myself, but there is still an aspect of myself that's like, wow, like that's something that I really loved and I fucked it up. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's probably the closest thing I would say that I have had to that. I have funneled a lot of that. I get maybe those emotions into Something I believe is we we don't grow less capable because we get older. We get older because we become less capable. So a lot of I, I do help a lot of older people take, I guess, back their quote unquote strength and athleticism, mm-hmm. but you can you're only limited to what you can do because your mind says you can't do it. Like there are men's league football. Uh, football leagues that I have played in that I could still play in if football was still a passion of mine I decided that it didn't really serve me in the way that I wanted to anymore so I let go of it but I found things like kickboxing like powerlifting I found other things to funnel my energy and my passion into and to continue growing I found other things to work on and other avenues to you know keep improving myself and I've continued to stay an athlete even though if sometimes it changes how I'm expressing that athleticism and the uh, 
using your body is a blessing. You know, mm -hmm. some people yeah. lose that blessing. Um, they lose their ability to do things. And the best thing you can do is be thankful for the ability to move your body and to improve and to be thankful for that by taking advantage of it and not letting it go to waste and constantly trying to improve yourself and be a better version of yourself. So for me, I really love powerlifting because mm -hmm. to an extent, it's something that anybody can do. I have a 51 year old lady that when she started with me, she had a major knee injury and couldn't even do a body weight squat. And she's been able to go along from not only being able to do a body weight squat, but now she has a squat world record, a bench world record and is a competitive power lifter at 51 years old. And like, I have middle-aged women that have been told their whole lives that, you know, it's the job of a woman to be weak or feminine or whatever. And they've taken control of their strength and learned to love themselves and love their strength through powerlifting. And th there's physical limitations that maybe, you know, you can't squat. There's just no way for you to squat. Okay, well, there's push-pull meets with bench and deadlift, or you can't do a bench press. Okay, well, there's deadlift-only meets, and I would argue most people can do a deadlift, but even if you can't do a deadlift, you can still set up some type of mock powerlifting challenges for yourself where you pick, you know, five or six movements that you can do, and you work on getting stronger at those movements. And when you see the numbers move up, it's something where you get to get that sense of self-accomplishment and that self-love and you get to push yourself. So I love strength training and powerlifting because it gives people something to improve it and something to strive for. But, you know, you could say the same thing about martial arts. You can be improving mm -hmm. it and striving in martial arts or there is, you know, men's league, women's league, co-ed league, team sports. Like you can move your body, you can do things and you can take advantage of your body, whether you're a quote unquote athlete or not, there's always some way to push yourself and become a stronger version of yourself physically. And in my experience, when you become a stronger version of yourself physically, in some way, shape or form, and you get to see that improvement for yourself, it helps you become stronger mentally and exercise is the answer. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, well, you just exercise your depression goes away. Like that's not how it works. Like <laughs> anybody that I have that struggles with depression, they still struggle with depression. I still struggle with depression, yeah. but I, I have found that exercise is definitely a huge tool for managing it for myself and for so many others. You know, if yeah. you're somebody who's listening to this and, that's not a route you're taking advantage of uh, is exercising and moving your body and getting the endorphins flowing. It's not the cure, but it, it'll help. So yeah, it's definitely I agree. something you should look into. <laughs> I agree. Um, in my perspective, I don't know if there's a hundred percent like a cure to depression. Um, I think over time you just learn to you learn like what is happening to you what your triggers are and what helps you and you learn how to manage that um and I think that's something that we are going to live with for the rest of our lives um but the way that we handle it now is very different from say five or ten years ago um would you agree Yes, I agree 100%. Um, how I manage it now is 
much, much better. And I do attribute a lot of that to exercise. And you're right, there, there is no cure. There's never going to be a cure to this, but you better learn how to deal with your triggers. And you become a stronger, more resilient version of yourself that can better handle things, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we both still struggle and we both have those um, suicidal thoughts sometimes. Uh, and to, for me, I don't think those will go away. But I'm at the point in my life where I understand what I've been through and what is kind of going on in my head. And even though I have those kind of thoughts, I don't think that I would ever um, attempt again or follow through again, even though I have those thoughts. Um, And they're not super frequent, definitely not as frequent as I used to. Um, But I don't think that I would ever follow through with anything um are you kind of in the same boat or how do you um how do you look at that yeah 100 percent, i would say i'm in the same boat where i come from time to time but they're not something i feel like i would ever act upon again Mm -hmm. (laughs) and even if something was to happen where i was to um i think the biggest thing i remind myself is to be forgiving of that yeah. and move on from that um, and there's nothing wrong with struggling or not being able to but yeah I would agree with you 100% that even though those feelings still come from time to time and the depression is still present and you know the suicidal self-harming thoughts do come from time to time and definitely yeah. much much less frequently they typically only come in times of very very high stress for myself yeah um, it, yeah, there, there's been some high stress crying breakdown uh, <laughs> times in the last year, but uh, even through those really hard, stressful things and inability to deal with some of those emotions, I've still been able to be pretty confident and comfortable with myself that I would not act upon some of those thoughts yeah. and you know that I, I want to be around. So yeah, I would I would agree. Yeah, and I'm at the point where I know, I know now um, to reach out to somebody and to get help uh, instead of just kind of sitting there in my own um, yeah. little hole, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Same with me. Same with me. Yeah. I know that there's a lot less discussion around male mental health struggles. Um, I mean, there's not enough discussion about mental health issues in general, but when it comes to male struggles, uh, I find that there's even less talk about it because men are supposed to be strong and not show their emotions or show signs of weakness or anything like that. Um, I'm curious just what is your experience with that stigma and those misconceptions around uh, the male mental health? Yeah, no, for for sure. I think I'm a perfect perfect example of those things are very abundantly true and there and available. Um, It's it's funny because I have a a good friend and we both kind of struggled with a lot of mental health stuff and we both kind of dealt with it in other ways. And um, we've talked about starting... Uh, a men's specific mental health podcast around Mm -hmm. talking about some of the stigma for men and showing men that it's okay to express your emotions. It's okay to not be okay. Um, 
and you know he you don't just have to man up and toughen your way through it Um, obviously I have like so many projects on the go (laughs) that I I could not like do all of them in a million years I have so many ideas and so many things that I want to do so that podcast may may never happen maybe it will um in the future but as of right now it's just not something that I can dedicate the time to but it is something that I'm very passionate about um is telling other men that it's okay um we a lot of us do struggle with it you don't just have to man up yeah there's nothing wrong with you and it it is okay to to not be okay it's okay to be struggling with things and you know, like a, a lot of people assume that like abuse, a mental relationship abuse is typically only, you know, men to women. And mm-hmm. I think statistically it probably is that way a lot more, which is, you know, a lot of where that stigma comes from. But it's also, yeah. you know, not talked about by a lot of men how, you know, women can um, manipulate, control and abuse men and it's okay to reach out and ask for help and that that can happen so like a lot of the same issues that happens for women a lot of the same stigmas that's around mental health and relationship abuse it, it does go both ways but yeah. you know i would agree with you 100 percent that you know um even though men and women um struggle with mental health um and it is there is a huge stigma around anybody talking about it there is that added pressure of men are supposed to be manly and um just man up and toughen it up and holding it all inside and that's bullshit like (laughs) being being a man doesn't mean you have to bottle up all of your emotions it's okay to be frustrated it's okay to be sad it's okay to be depressed and you know it's okay to be open about your emotions you don't have to be some brick stone wall and you don't have to feel bad about yourself if you're not like that it's 100 percent okay for you to be emotional as a man yeah uh, to to share those emotions with people you feel safe with sharing them with yeah absolutely do you know what your or do you have triggers um now or do you know what they are yeah so I guess my biggest trigger is um, people taking advantage of me and thinking I'm not I'm too dumb to realize those signs um, mm-hmm. because I, I'm, I'm a very kind I'm a very caring person and I will 100% go out of my way to do anything for everybody and I'm getting better at doing that within the context of the way that it makes sense for me and not sacrificing my sense of self to do so am I perfect in that no but I will get very frustrated I will get very depressed I will have emotional breakdowns and you know I, I will have some of those thoughts come I will get triggered when I am being treated that way. So like something that I went through in the past uh, year is I felt very much that way at 
work. Um, I had worked for corporate gyms my whole life, and I felt very fulfilled and very good about the work I was doing with my clients. But I felt like the company was taking advantage of me and taking advantage of you know what I was willing to do and my mental health and they you know they would just ask for more and more and more mm-hmm. and they never really wanted to listen to me and what I thought was acceptable um, for many years I worked a hundred plus hour weeks and just worked myself like an oh my absolute God. dog and it's not that I'm like not okay with hard work and putting in lots of hours like I'm probably almost working equally as much but I felt very underappreciated and when I was trying to say I need to take steps back and try to pull back some of that time and some of that energy for myself I would get pushback from them that I wasn't doing enough and it's like no 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 no. like this is bullshit I'm not doing as much as I was before um, but I am doing enough like I can only give to you as much as I'm willing to give so for me that created a very toxic culture where I needed to leave work um, and take a mental health leave and ultimately I ended up deciding that the best thing I could do for my mental health was to become self-employed so that I get to dictate and decide what is acceptable and what's not acceptable for myself and other people don't get to make that decision for me so even even in relationships, that's that's why part of the reason why that sense of self is uh, so important to me is I always want to constantly feel like I'm making the decisions for myself and other people aren't trying to make those decisions for me and that my views are respected and cared about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you get um, triggered and you kind of not necessarily spiral, but do you fall into this little bit of a darker place? How do you get through that now? Like, what are your coping mechanisms um, now that you know what's going on? Yeah, so um, a, a lot of it is working out. I can usually feel like kind of the clouds that are holding me in that dark place get a little bit cleared up when I do work out and I can even though I might not be in the best of place and the issues might not be fixed I get a little bit of a clearer sense of self and get into a little bit of a better mental place to fix that but I've I've just learned that when I get into situations like that something is going wrong something is triggering that and some type of change needs to be made that's within my control and I need to make that change. So if a relationship was making me feel that way, whether it be a friendship or romantic, that relationship might need to be cut off or other boundaries might need to be put in place that I don't make myself emotionally available to be treated like that, Mm -hmm. to be put into a place where I start to sink down that rabbit hole. Um, with my workplace, like I said, like I, I tried to set those boundaries and they just weren't respected. So ultimately that led to me leaving and needing to leave. Mm-hmm. So um, that sense of control, um, sometimes the answer isn't always clear what you can do, but it's something that I always try to reflect in myself and say, what can I do about this situation? What is within my control? And how do I get it to a place where I feel mentally better about it? Mm-hmm. So. 
So you use exercise as a coping mechanism, but you've also um, used exercise in a negative way in the past. Um, so how do you define kind of that boundary between healthy and unhealthy um, use of exercise, or is that just something that you have learned over time? It's definitely something that's been learned over time, but I would say the two distinguishing factors of it are, for me at least, is, is this, um, is this affecting me in a positive way, first of all, and is this coming from a positive place, second of all? Mm -hmm. So is it affecting me in a positive way? I can look at things and say like, what are my goals? And if your goal is simply just to move because it feels good for your mental health, that is fine as long as it comes from a positive place. But mm -hmm. for myself, I know that a lot of the positive aspects that benefit my mental health um, for uh, that come from exercise come from a sense of improvement. So for me, if I'm doing extra junk stuff just to do it, to try to feel better about myself, usually those are coming from a negative place because when I'm exercising to feel better about myself, I'm doing it from a place of self-improvement. I'm trying to make an area of my life better, whether I'm trying to get cardiovascularly more fit, whether I'm trying to improve martial arts skills, mm -hmm. whether I'm trying to get stronger, I'm trying to do it from a place of positive improvement and positive change in my life. I'm not necessarily just doing it to do it. And I'm definitely not doing it from a place of, I hate myself and in order to not yeah. hate myself, I need to change this. And I think that's the big difference between the way I did it from when I was younger mm -hmm. is I hated my body and I felt the only way to love my body was to improve my body enough that I loved it. And that's just not the right mindset. Because even with how I am now, I could nitpick and I could find a million things that I want to change and a million things that could be better. And that's just never going to be present. There's no such thing as perfection. And there's no like, when you hit this point, you're happy. You have to decide that you're happy and that the changes you're making are coming from a positive place of you're improving yourself because you love and respect yourself, not because you feel like you have to improve yourself in order to love and respect yourself. Mm -hmm. And trying to drive that change from a negative outlet of um, anger and hate. So, Yes, I love that. Okay, so if you could give somebody that is going through um, their struggles, what is one piece of advice that you would give them? Or what is one piece of advice that you wish somebody would have given you? One piece of advice? This is hard. I feel like I have so many. Um, <laughs> okay, or, or give me a couple. <laughs> um, hang on mm -hmm. at least one more day is something I would give people. Yeah. Um, if you can push through one more day and just keep reminding yourself one more day, one more day, yeah. one more day, 
that can definitely be the difference between life and death for a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to suicide. And the other one I would say is it might be hard, but learn to embrace yourself for who you are. Like, if you like anime, if you're the weird kid, if you're nerdy, who gives a fuck? You are who you are. Just be who you are. Nobody... Nobody else gets to decide who you are and nobody else gets to decide your dictation of self-worth. Just be you and love you for you. It's okay to want to improve yourself as part of that love, but you are you and you are amazing in your own special way. And Just look for the things that you love about yourself and accept who you are. Like. It's just as simple as it is. Like, mm-hmm. If you like Disney movies, you like Disney movies. Somebody else doesn't <laughs> like Disney movies, like that's fine. They don't have to like Disney movies, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to like Disney movies. Like yeah. if you like anime, if you whatever it is, like name anything from A to Z. Like you get to be you. Nobody else gets to decide who you should be or who you are. Mm-hmm. So. I I love that. I mean, everybody is different, and if we were all the same, it would be so boring. So just embrace who you are and what you like and everything about yourself. Okay, I have one last question for you. I know you're busy, and this has been quite long, but I have one more question. (laughs) I blocked off three hours for it just in case. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Is there a stigma or an assumption surrounding mental health issues that bothers you the most or that you hear most often that isn't true? Yeah, and I think that this is kind of a gender-based one and this kind of goes into one of the former questions is I hate the whole stigma around man up, like just just man up and just grit and bear through it. It's like, what the fuck does that even (laughs) mean? Like, we're not all the same, like just because you're a quote-unquote man like doesn't mean that you have to bottle up your emotions and be strong 100 percent like strength comes in a lot of different forms (laughs) and sometimes like one of the strongest things you can do is like admit that you have some of those emotions and you're going through some of those things and bear through it and make make it through it and grow from it and learn from the experience and overcome some of those things and like yeah I think one of the strongest parts of myself um, isn't bottling up and um, burying those emotions so far down and fitting the traditional mold of what man up means it's the fact that I've embraced those things um, taken those things learn from those things and then been able to share those things with people in a way that enhances and makes other people's lives better mm-hmm. inspires them to become better versions of themselves um inspires change like has you know inspired me to start a podcast and uh, positively like benefit people through that and just all of the amazing projects that i've gone through in the name of helping people have all came from the ability to accept my emotions and feel them and not bottle them up and fit that traditional 
man up statement. And, you know, if man up starts meaning that, you know, we start doing that, fine, like whatever, they're just words, but the stigma behind what it means to be a man and to just man up and bottle up your emotions, mm-hmm. that's, that would be mine. Have you experienced that? Has somebody, have, has, ugh, has anybody told you um, before to man up or like be a man or anything like that? Yeah, 100%. of course. <laughs> okay, not, well. not so much recently, because um, I think anybody who knows me well enough to think that they could throw that my way would get a pretty uh, <laughs> slight and uh, fast fuck you, fuck off. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but because, uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody would have that view of me that I should bottle up my emotions because they know that trying to tell me that would just not go well but yeah there's definitely levels of that mm-hmm. growing up and it was just a different time and a different place and people didn't know better and it was their own shit that they were dealing with and might be dealing with and i think one of the biggest things i've learned in life is others people's shit doesn't have to be your shit that's that's their shit to deal with so <laughs> i love that <laughs> Well, that is all the questions that I had for you. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or touch on? No, I, I, I think that's that's all the things that I can think of. Um, <laughs> thank you for bringing me on. This has been really good. I really appreciate it. I agree. I want to thank you for coming on and being so raw and open and honest with me and with everyone, I guess. Um, Because now your whole story is going to be out there. Um, But I really appreciate it. And I know that this is going to help so many people. So thank you. Yeah, and along that lines too, like I'm a resource for helping people. Like I'm not a mental health expert. Like I I can only do what I can. But I'm always somebody that somebody can reach out to to talk, whether you know me or not. If you reach out to me on social media um, and you need help and some way shape or form whether it be with your exercise and nutrition or whether it be with the mental health side of things like i'm Mm -hmm. here to listen i'm here to help i'm always resource available to anybody um if something is out of my scope and out of what i can handle from a mental health side of things i'll always refer out and help somebody find the help that they need Mm -hmm. but I'm always somebody like, if you ever feel lost and alone and you're not sure who to open up to, I'm always somebody who is available. There's always room for you to open up to me and you will always come into a place that is judgment-free no matter what you bring to me. Absolutely. So if somebody wants to reach out or has more questions for you, where can they reach you? (laughs) Uh, So my Instagram is probably the best place. Um, It is at maxhallfitness. And uh, if you guys are interested, I do talk a little bit about mental health as well as I talk about anime and fitness in my podcast, the Plus Ultra Fitness Podcast. So feel free to go give that a listen as well. Shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. This is so good. Thank you again for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC, and you can email me at StompTheStigmaYYC at gmail.com. 
If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.